Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Geekscape Book Club for February. Uh, very excited to uh, discuss our selection. Now, usually I hold up my book for our visual audience, but I've loaned all my books to my co-host, Eric Connor, so uh, he can model those prices right st- style, our own Diane Parkinson, uh, Eric Connor. And uh, joining us for the uh, first time here in Geekscape Book Club is uh, Diallo Jackson. Diallo, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, spend time with us today. Uh, thank you for having me on. Um, it's an uh, honor that you asked me to join and looking forward to talking about these books. Yeah, we've uh, been doing the uh, this show for less than a year. So this was uh, the first uh, Black History Month where uh, I felt, uh, you know, there was a little bit of discussion and some other books that we can do uh, mm-hmm. later in the year. But uh, this seemed to be a really good one to start with uh, for people who are not familiar with it. Uh, Bitter Root was uh, published by uh, uh, by Image. I almost said Dark Horse, so I was already getting my facts. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Published by Image uh, over over the last few years, I think it uh, ended in 2019. And uh, you know, we kind of did this the hard way because as we're recording now, there's like an omnibus that collects everything. But uh, we read the 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 three volumes. Uh, and uh, we do have another work that we'll talk about a little later in the show, but I want to start off talking about Bitter Root. Uh, Diallo, you had not read this before. None of us had read it before. What was your understanding of it before you read it and just your thoughts as you started to read through Bitter Root? Uh, well, I had actually never heard of it before. Oh, okay, <laughs> so, great. Yeah, yeah. Um, my So my comic book, uh, like, you know, I was born and raised in the, the fires of comic book doom whatever forged there but uh around (laughs) around 2005 uh 2006 i kind of tapped out um from reading them regularly um and then i you know so i i kind of pay attention to what's going on but i haven't really engaged with them like that much um and so especially with like indie books like every once in a while something will come across my path and i'll read it someone will recommend it to me so i had never heard of uh bitter roots um but when i was com- uh presented with the list of books to read it like that one jumped out at me immediately um looked at the look, looking at the artwork and the cover and then um there's just was something that i was like oh, i want to i want to check this one out and um over the course of reading it i was really like pulled into the world the the world building is really strong um in it and uh that's you know um makes me want to see like a like an hbo max series or something from it yeah uh well there was a an announcement i think uh about two years ago so i don't know where it stands right now but uh uh, Regina King was supposed to be adapting it for Legendary. Oh, and I believe okay. it was as a film. Uh, just uh, checking my notes very quickly. I yeah, yeah, I came across that in 2021, yeah. I think it is. But I haven't seen any. And like, when I was looking through, I did a kind of a, a search for a while. Yeah. I didn't see any updates beyond. I think right. it was like May of 2021, which. Yeah. That's so shame. I but, agree. It would be a terrific HBO Max series. Yeah, no, I think it would work uh, really well as a, as an ongoing series. And I want to give uh, before uh, we let uh, Eric chime in, I want to give credit to David F. Walker, Sanford Green and Chuck Brown. That's the creative team responsible for this. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, people might be familiar with some work that they did on Power Man and Iron Fist, which is something that I think we will read later in the year. 
But uh, this really stood out because, you know, Image is hardly a small publisher at this point, but they're not Marvel, they're not DC. And most of our books have really been Marvel and DC. Uh, most of them have honestly been Marvel. Uh, and like, it was interesting what you said, Diallo, because in about, uh, I think the end of 1999, I also tapped out from comics. And I, like the 16 years before that, I was reading almost everything that I could get my hands on. And then mm -hmm. at a certain point, I don't know, you just, there's there's outside factors, but sometimes you're just reading these stories and you're like, I don't know. I'm just not into it right now. I'm reading a lot more stuff now because of this show. And one of my favorite things about this show is discovering something like this that I had never actually read, you know, forcing ourselves to find time to read it. Uh, Eric, your thoughts. Uh, did you, were you familiar with this at all? Or like Diallo and myself, this was kind of it just jumped out at you, right? Completely. It, it, to yeah. the point where I, I'm always assuming Christian, when you assign something, and I'm reading, I haven't read it. I, I assume like I'm the last guy at the party, you know, the last dog <laughs> to the bowl and everyone else knows it, but me. And then I feel like a fool. Like, how did I not hear about this one? Cause well, look, when we did that with Batman year one, everybody uh, was right to judge us for having not read it, but oh, we oh, just sure. hadn't. Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> the, I think yeah. It's just, well, because I was always a Marvel snob. So, oh, uh, yeah. Oh, one I, of know. those. Oh, okay. yeah. I wasn't right. a Marvel yeah, yeah. snob. I was, I was more like a Marvel As a kid, as a kid I, I was. Yeah. yeah. I've read, yeah. I've read a lot of stuff now, you know, uh, but uh, that, you know, my upbringing, it was like, it was almost like, it was like you're betraying your team. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It was like, <laughs> it was, it was yeah. like, oh, I heard this was good. But anyway, so uh, about Bitterroot, though, Eric, as you uh, dive in and read it, uh, what what were some of your thoughts, big picture? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's such a terrific series, and I, I was surprised to see like it did stop, right? I mean, like we've read these three volumes, and it doesn't seem like there's been any new issues, unless my research. Uh, no, I th it seemed like they had like a they had like a finite finite story that they set out to tell, you know, which, uh, you know, I think, that, I, know, I, that, I, I mean, I'll tell you, I mean, <laughs> that last scene of them showing up, uh, showing up at a concentration camp. I'm like, okay, I I'm up for this. I, I can handle this as the next bunch of fate, bunch of stories, yeah. but yeah, I mean, look, the door is open because, uh, yeah. you know, there's plenty of, uh, spots, uh, around, around the world <laughs> that yeah. there's, uh, that, that, uh, you know, they would be well-served, but uh, yeah, well, when I think the thing that really jumped out at me, ironically, it's like it's it's obviously a very high concept. I love the setting of Harlem, um, you know, in the was it the twenties? Um, yeah, the the the, the, the main part of the story yeah. is in the twenties. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry, I have to say nineteen twenties because we're in another twenties. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> the other <laughs> point, yeah, the roaring twenties as opposed to the whatever the, the shit, COVID twenties have been. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, you know what? The thing that really actually pulled me in. And I realized I have volume two in the other room because it had the uh, the family tree. And I thought yes. like the family dynamic was actually something that was a real nice surprise. Like, you know, you look at the cover and obviously the high concept of it all kind of jumps out at you. Sorry for the reflection of light. But but really like this idea of it, this is like a family business and it has torn this family apart and brought them together at the same time. And so, you know, the the. Uh, all the themes that they're tackling here, and there's quite a few, are really powerful. But the family stuff was really the stuff that actually kind of I found kind of gave this thing a heart and really great character work. Love the voices of them. So that's the stuff where you know when you mention HBO Max series, I'm like, yeah, because mm -hmm. that's this is a this is a group I would want to hang out with. Like this family was fascinating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Diallo, let's spend a little time talking about the characters because uh, you know when you you meet an extended family all at once it might take a little bit to find the different voices but i feel like the characters are so unique and well-defined uh you know especially you know berg overusing the big words at every chance you know i thought that uh basically on it, on the first page that he's on he's uh, already using you know what, what we used to call 10 cent words, but 10 cents isn't really a lot of money anymore. So they're like $10 <laughs> words. Um, as we get to meet the family, you know, what, uh, what, what do you think the, what were your thoughts about how the character development seemed to have been done so well ahead of time that it didn't take a couple issues to get to know the characters. At least it didn't for me. Yeah. I mean, you kind of, I mean, you got who they were almost immediately. Um, you said Berg's use of uh, the big words, like 
at the mid, a part of me felt like it was a little bit tedious, but at the same time, <laughs> in a writing sense, it's the perfect way to establish who the character is. Like if it was live action, it wouldn't have been as it wouldn't have doubled down as much <laughs> on that. But it was a great way to yeah, show. I hope, like, I hope who, not. Like, yeah, it was it was a great way to show like who he is and what he's about. And obviously it's um it could fall into parody a little bit, but it was actually showing how intelligent he actually was in relation to his, like we, we would assume a, the big guy isn't smart, but he actually is likely the smartest. Um, and then um, what's uh, blink was her name? Was her? The, yeah. That, that was her nickname. Yeah. 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 Like she, like, I, you know, she came across as like the, the strong, you're going to be the leader type right away their interaction um they're like kind of bickering or sniping it at each other um showed a familiarity that they had with each other um so yeah i, I mean i enjoyed it i kind of reminds me of uh like i get i get in trouble for saying this a lot um, um jonathan um he makes fun of me but uh there's a marvel series from the mid 90s called clandestine and yeah, sure. it actually gave me shades of that where it was like this sort of like dysfunctional um, family um, that had they all had this history backstory with each other and the way that they talk to each other. Um, and it like the way they talk to each other is different based on their relationship with each other. So some some people are OK. Other people aren't OK with each other. But they all kind of like make it work, you know, so. Sure. Yeah. No, I think that, uh, you know, the large family dynamic, I think, m can make any kind of storytelling relatable, you know, a large African American family, anybody who has a big family, they're like, yeah, I see that dynamic, you know, my big fat Greek wedding wasn't successful, because only Greek people went to see it, you know, anybody <laughs> with a big family, they're like, Oh, yeah, of course. So, right. you know, whenever you get that sort of thing, you can relate to it. And what I liked was as other characters popped in as the volumes went along, it's like, oh, well, this person actually has an issue with that person and it's different than their issues with this person, you know? So it's like there was a family tree, which is very useful, but we could have used like a like a gripe or argument tree of like what everybody's <laughs> fighting about <laughs> to, to keep track of what it was. I could use that with my in-laws, honestly. <laughs> uh, They're no not going to see this, right? No, no comment. Mine might be in the house right now. Uh, well, a so, lot of... Some of their gripes were actually were based on actually plot points, right? So yeah, that were little mysteries that were revealed like down the road. So I, I thought that that was like having the family tree come at the end of the book. Um, let me kind of discover the story initially, and then I got to go back and kind of like kind of place where everybody was at um, after I had been introduced to them. So I, I, I like that it came, the family tree came later personally. Yeah. Uh, Eric, uh, I know that the, the, uh, the Baja men are being represented there at, uh, at your home because we know who let the dog out, but the too soon, too soon. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I know. I know. We're still, we're still waiting for the follow-up hit. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure that here on Geekscape, uh, Matt Kelly has done the Baja Men for One Hit Thunder. But if he hasn't, this is my appeal to him to do it sometime soon uh, because we've given them 23 years. I think the follow up isn't coming. But in any case, uh, very off topic. But uh, Eric, uh, in terms of for people who don't know, uh, Eric uh, is a, an, a professor, an instructor at the New York Film Academy. So when you're sort of you know, instructing in terms of uh, creating a story, I think flashbacks are something that you need to use carefully, yeah. you know, Be but I think in this story, they do such a great job of really filling in the story. And we get to see, you know, Ma at a, I don't know, it was like 60, 80 years earlier, you know, uh, you right. know, you get to actually see some of these characters in, in, in action. Give me your thoughts on the usage of, you know, there were a couple of time jumps uh, as the story progressed. Yeah, yeah, I thought they did a nice job, actually, of helping us kind of understand where, when they were jumping, why they were jumping, and adding, yeah. it, really choosing their spots, like, right, finding moments that was going to add to the drama or tension, add to our understanding. 
And I like that they didn't lead with those moments either. Like you could have had, I mean, I was thinking bring up HBO Max, I was thinking The Watchmen and the prologue of The Watchmen is a, a famous, um, infamous Tulsa massacre, you know, Black Wall Street. And they name check that uh, in the storytelling, but they hold off on sort of taking us there. That and they also, uh, the Red Summer of 1919, which was like throughout the country. And and so I think they were smart about like not leading, like you were saying before about like not leading with the family tree, not leading with like these moments of history that are sort of this like, you know, stain on this country. And, and, and I think like allowing us to kind of get in with the characters, get in with a bit of the action too. Cause they also, you know, I, I feel like they uh i didn't have to wait necessarily too long for like monsters to appear and then it gives us some context of who they are like their relationship with this family or how the family has dealt with this for years uh but but i think it was smart yeah it's like using using voiceover using flashbacks they're all potential crutches i mean literally i have i have a lecture i just called like you know when to use a crutch yeah. Uh, but it can add so much to the storytelling we've done right if it's not just a uh, kind of a filler, which sometimes under lesser hands it might be. But I thought here it really was smart when they gave him to us and, you know, clarify things. It was fun seeing characters, you know, like Etta. And by the way, you're saying universality. I, I had a grandma, Etta. Uh, who uh, <laughs> was not as cool as his grandma, Etta, with all due peace and love to her, though she was a Mets fan. So I have to get. Well, so so she, so, she, so she fought off a lot of demons in her own way. I oh, guess. very much so. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, like I think they uh, they were smart. They didn't use them too much. Uh, there wasn't necessarily massive threads. Um, I was. I mean, one thing that kind of jumped to me, honestly, the quantum mania connection. Weirdly enough, like as I'm reading this and having just seen quantum mania and the idea of parents being stuck somewhere else. And having to find them, oh, I yeah. I was thinking like, oh yeah, quantum mania sort of missed the boat a little bit about the emotional side of what that means. Like if you lost a parent, and then if we were able to reunite with them after an extended period of time, like I thought this this really actually developed that one thread quite nicely in a way that sticking like to Ant Man two and the recent one. I'm like, yeah, they really get into the messy emotions of that so well. No, not no, not no spoilers. There's... I haven't seen it yet. So okay, yeah, it, it, it's okay because so far what he said uh, refers. <laughs> I get, to no, I get it. Earlier, yeah. Ant Man, Michelle Pfeiffer being left yeah. behind. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it, it is an interesting point. I think that they, you know, on the pages of comic book, you're able to spend a lot more time and stuff like that. Like we were talking about the the grudges and the gripes against family members being very real like hey you left me there you know and the 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 limbo uh realm that i'm not going to try to pronounce but uh i probably should Mm -hmm. but i won't (laughs) um but uh let's talk about sort of the big concept this idea that there you know we first meet the janu and then there's other offshoots of them but this idea of you know the manifestation of basically evil hatred can turn people into actual demons instead of just metaphorical, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, at one point, Maya just uh, alludes to, you know, that guy in Germany with the book, you know, and, mm-hmm. and about, you know, so it, it, it's sort of an interesting way to have a literal manifestation of the hatred. And I think just dealing with this African-American family, dealing with this story, with these characters, uh, it just, I, I don't want to have this come out the wrong way, but it's like such a simple idea, but in the way where it's so accessible and so approachable, it's like brilliant. You're like, Oh, that's genius that it's like, mm-hmm. no, no, people are turning into actual demons. Here's a literal serum where we can try and help them get back to being the good people they were, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, yeah, it, I, it did come across a little bit to me, like kind of like how you described, like, um, and I don't mean it in a uh, like a pejorative way, but like a little simple, um, sure. sort of like a, a direct allegory. Um, but it like needed to be that. Um, and they, um, with uh, the character, uh, what's I forget his name? The uh, the white character from the um, from the like Johnny the clan, Ray, but, I think yeah, was his name. Yeah, yeah. 
He like Johnny it, Ray he, Knox. Johnny Ray. It, so he like expands upon that idea, which I that gave that concept more complexity um, than it initially had. So um, you actually because because the, there's a part of you that's kind of like, well, why isn't everybody like that? Ben and it yeah. just shows that like not every not everybody's like that and he happens to be a character that he was um partaking in um a lynching but then he explains how he doesn't even really know how he got there he didn't want to be a part of it there's um room for him to actually like he it, it didn't go through so there's room for him to actually not cross that line um, and then he ends up, you know, being the sidekick to the um, what's his uh, I kept I kept calling him Blade in my head. But uh, the <laughs> the uh, the character that he ends up kind of like being the sidekick to for a while and um, like the right. you know, uh, his Friday. Um, so it was uh, yeah, it was like it, it was a good it was a good concept. And then they layer that a little bit later with the whole idea of sorrow and giving us a different degree of what monsters can be. So, I mean, it's a good manifestation of human emotions. Yeah. I mean, to the, to add that layer to it, you know, that it wasn't the same cure for the sorrow as it was for the hatred. And I thought that uh, I agree that the Johnny Ray Knox character, you know, we, meet him he's you know at a a, i guess a a, a, an attempted lynching he's in a clan robe you know so it is not a character that you think you're going to be in is going to be endearing towards you and i did like that i actually forget which one it was but there's a member of the family that's like yeah i got no time for this white boy because Mm -hmm. you know he, he you know and it's just like well yeah not everybody should accept him but i thought it was his his journey was really interesting because i think you know, it can you can see, although it, as as hard as it might be, be to believe, you know, 100 years later, the idea that somebody gets caught up in the idea with, you know, like, oh, my friends are in this group, you know, and it's well, it's the clan, but it's like, well, I'm in the Elks Club. Is this like that? And it's like, eh, no, it's a little different, but uh, come <laughs> to a meeting, you know, and you can see how it would happen. It, 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 look. Johnny Ray Knox, probably not the smartest character we've ever read in a, ca- a comic book. You can see how he would just kind of go with the crowd, but he's like, look, I'm, that's not me. That's not who I am. And uh, I don't know. I thought that, uh, you know, and I, I thought that it was an interesting way to add that, you know, to have this character and, you know, it's nice that he you know gives a sacrifice, but then, you know, then they go to see his family and then there's, you know, the, the mom's like harboring a demon. So it's, uh, I thought that uh, we got a lot more mileage out of that character. I thought that at the end of that issue, it was like, well, oh, he's back. You know, <laughs> it was kind of interesting. What do you think about that, Eric? Sort of the surprise of, uh, I, I like the using the term as sort of like the the Friday, you know, the sidekick yeah, yeah. that uh, that this was, this was the go-to guy really for about half of the series, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. What, when you first read it, you're not thinking, oh, what this this series needs is more of him. <laughs> you know, more <laughs> double down on Knox, please, on Johnny Ray, you know. <laughs> I, I think Which, you, by the way, for a yeah. movie that just the name are, you, you just makes me think like, oh, shouldn't Johnny Knoxville play that guy? Because <laughs> <laughs> I can see it, you know. But anyway, what were you going to say, Eric? He, he, might be, he might be a little old and overly concussed nah, at this point. That's unfortunately. <laughs> You're bringing up, you know, this great point too about, right, the idea of like the here's the clan and they're all demons. Like, I agree. It's, at some point, so you're like, oh, it's a little, a little broad, a little on the nose. But and I, but I, I think there is something to be said, right? The the characters who are almost like bear witness to those moments and allow things to happen. I mean, that's the thing. It's like there's those, you know, like the levels of evil, like the levels, like are. Have you been infected or at your, what was, I'm trying to remember the comparison. It was like either kind of comes from the outside in or the inside out, meaning you're a human who's been infected or were you always a devil who was basically trying to be human. And I think that was an interesting concept. I kind of wish if anything, they got a little more into, I mean, maybe if you set the story now versus then, Maybe if this was in 2020 and 23 and 
you're dealing then with me, you know, if you wanted to go with the metaphor, then you begin to ask questions about, uh, you could get into politics even if you wanted to. Yeah. I mean, it could become something where then it becomes less sort of like someone's an evil skinhead or an evil uh, clansman versus like, what what does it mean almost to be like a passive racist, you know, and and allow things to happen? I think that might be really interesting to explore. And that's where I think the Johnny Johnny uh, Lee Knoxville character is basically like important because, you you know, there's so many people like that who who do sort of allow things to happen. This is yeah. history over and over again. It's not just about the people with the biggest guns and the loudest mega megaphone, but it's also about those who either turn a blind eye or just kind of go along for the ride. And so I right. think that's where he is you know, an interesting character I mean, to explore. You alluded to it earlier, but, uh, you know, Nazi Germany doesn't happen if right. enough people don't just turn a blind eye and look the other way, you know, yeah. if more people speak up. I think in terms of setting it in the past, I think it's it's better to have sort of that, you know, step removed. It's sort of like how, with the film and the series mash was an allegory for Vietnam, but you didn't want to try and tell Korea. a story about Vietnam. So you put it in yeah. Korea. So this is like, yeah, we could tell the story now, but let's sort of deal with some more familiar times and sort of, you know, a, a, a spot about a hundred years ago. So I, I think that uh, it would be interesting. I mean, they can certainly tell more of these stories. And if they did do, as Diallo said, like an HBO max series, I hope it wouldn't be a mini series. I think you can really, you can really explore, you know, even just the the decades shortly thereafter, you know, I mean, much less uh, getting up to now. Um, I want to talk about uh, a character who we also really see, I think, a much more complex arc than I thought we were going to get, which is Dr. Sylvester. Uh, let's talk a little bit about him, Diallo. Basically, he's he's sort of the big bad of the first volume, but then uh, he's really along with them in the second and third, you know, I mean, he realizes that he's basically doing the work of the devil for to all intents and purposes. Um, how do you think that the creative team handled the progression of, uh, of Dr. Sylvester deal? I mean, I, the, my impression was that the intention of all along was for him to be sympathetic like to where he ended up because when we when you first realize what he's up to at the very beginning it like he he was he's he was softer he was he yeah. there was a kindness to the way he spoke and so you definitely i definitely knew he wasn't like the like the the bad bad guy even though he was kind of behind what was going on so um yeah and then there was that sense of uh the redemption and being the active uh, force for change towards the end, um, the pivotal turn that um, like he, with the knowledge that he can glean, um, I think it was from the book. Was that, was that the, uh, uh, towards the end? Yes. Um, yeah. So yeah, it just, it, it, it's a classic, you know, I look, it's like a postmodern classic. I, I kind of think of it as where um, we've grown up with all these villains. Um, but then in, the, in this, this postmodern world, we have like Magneto or Black Adam, um, you know, all these characters, uh, Harley Quinn, that are starting to be looked at as um, sort of heroes in, in their own way. Um, and not even like it's a step beyond anti-hero. It's like they actually are a force for uh, good and change. Not, not, they're not, they don't embody the light, but they actually are on the side of light. Um, no, so but it's examining a, those characters. It, it's actually the comparison that I was going to make is, you know, Magneto has this tortured backstory, which of course we talked about in our previous episode where we focused on God loves man kills with Chris Claremont and the, you know, having spent time in a concentration camp watching, I believe his wife and both children die you know, Magneto is is a sympathetic character, despite the fact that, you know, on his resume is founder, comma, brotherhood of evil mutants, you know. <laughs> so there's there's moments, you know, there's you know, there's different ways that we express our dissatisfaction with the world. But and uh, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned the book because it reminded me that there's so much 
stress, and I think it's from the the sort of the standalone, uh, the summer special, where we see Berg is very young and he has a stutter and sort of like the weapons to give him are the books. And the idea of the power of books and the written word, I think in a comic book is a great thing to have. And I think sort of having this story be, you know, a little simple, easily accessible is because, you know, while this is not, I have a seven-year-old and a five-year-old, this is not a book for them. You can still see, you know, middle school, junior high kids. It's like, this is a way to kind of understand the world in a way of like, well, you know, people have demons inside and in this story, they literally have it. So I think it's a, it's a nice touch to kind of, you know, this, this written word reminding you of the power of the written word, word in general, uh, I thought was a nice touch. But I wanted to pivot to uh, Eric about uh, about Dr. Sylvester. wanted to give you a chance mm-hmm. to give some thoughts on him. Sure. Well, I, I think those early scenes were really interesting with like him and was it N- Knights, Nightingale? Night, Nightsdale. Night, yeah. Nightsdale. Yeah. I, I, their bond <clears throat> was really interesting. And it, it's like how gentle they were with each other. And then you would see these forms they would become. And, and so I think a lot of times with these, you know, these uh, baby face turns, you coin a wrestling expression, you know, you, you need to have like some kind of uh, an emotional connection with those characters. So like Magneto losing his family, you can understand how that might make him pivot one way or the other. And so I think here, like the moment where she's killed, you could see like how that, you know, whatever sort of like civility he had and education he had, like sort of went by the wayside for a bit, yeah. although he did, again, eventually come back around. But I think it works because of those early scenes, because we see that there's sort of like the Jekyll and Hyde of them and kind of hunt, uh, haunted by by what they become, not not enjoying the freedom of it, you know, but rather treating it like this curse. And so even right. what they're trying to do in those early uh, chapters are sort of like dealing with this curse that, they didn't ask for and then of course finding out even their connection is rooted in tragedy so i I thought all those moments really played so that his shift didn't feel forced it didn't feel phony it felt kind of organic and natural considering where he began yeah no i think that uh it's you know look it's 15 individual issues with a special thrown in so you really get a lot of time to, you know, study the arc. And it's why we keep going back to the idea of this working better as, as like a streaming series is that to tell the story in a movie, you really have to, you spend a lot of time fighting demons, you know, and a little bit of time getting to know the people doing it. So it's uh, you know, it's a great thing about television, but even better than television is just the amount amount of words you can fit on a single page of a comic book in terms of the, just the development that it gives you. Uh, yeah. I would, I would hope that uh, if these characters all get brought to the screen, uh, it happens in such a way where we're able to get to know them as well as we did here in the book. Now, Eric, I know that uh, you gravitated towards uh, some of the side characters, uh, the, the little, the little creatures and pets and things, but uh, one in particular you said to me, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I but because just when you think this this story is pretty serious, you know, the the themes here are not small and then yeah. all of a sudden you have something that easily could have run right out of like uh any of the Star Wars films except it wouldn't have been <laughs> so steampunky. You know, like so yeah. the idea of a, a a dog monster with a steampunk angle is something I'm here for. I, I don't yeah, quite I know I... if you did a live action version of the show, I don't know where that guy fits in. But I want them to find a way. You you want them to find yeah, look, I to your point about Star Wars, you could see him, you know, looking up in the cantina, you know, after he's, you know Ben Kenobi <laughs> slices off that guy's arm. He's like gonna and then he just goes back to finishing his drink or whatever, <laughs> whatever bowl. steampunk. Yeah. It's <laughs> a little bowl of something. But uh I think it's uh it's interesting that there there were these sort of these creatures that uh, also kind of helped you know, uh, they helped spot the Janu, uh, and then also they they were really like allies to our our primary family, which I read that you know here we are right, half an hour in. 
I read it as Sangurai, but maybe I'm pronouncing it wrong in my head. That is the problem with comic books in that, uh, you might, you know, I'm like, I think that's how you said the name, but I'm not sure, you know? So, but anybody, if anybody had a different, either of you had a different pronunciation, please let me know. But I, I think that, uh, it's a, it's a good concept. It's like Eric alluded to, it's a big concept put in kind of a smaller package with great characters. And this is, you know, this is, there is the supernatural element of dealing with demons and spending time and kind of the netherworld and, you know, the land of the dead. And um, my favorite thing was when they started to go like, well, you know, we have these things that show up in Chinatown. We have the same problem. And then, you know, and then you know, the different variations that are like, they're not the same demons, but they might as well be. And the idea that, you know, when they have the meeting of like the proverbial meeting of the five families, I thought uh, that was one of those interesting things where everybody's like, yeah, but this isn't really our problem. And again, the metaphor is a little strong, but it's the idea of like, why should I worry about the demons in your neighborhood? I've got the demons in my neighborhood, but it's the same demon, you know? And I don't know if, uh, Diallo, if you felt like that was, again, oversimplification or did that work to kind of, uh, you know, address the, you know, especially in a, a melting pot like New York City, you know, a century ago, all the little, the little different uh, neighborhoods. Yeah, you know, it's funny, not so much. It felt actually, I felt their interpersonal conflict more than I did the broader like idea that they were trying. So I actually really believed that they butted heads, if that makes any sense, like on a personal level. So I, I but obviously, yeah, they, um, you saw that they didn't want to um deal with what was going on in the other um neighborhoods but really it's like again they they gave a good sense of there being a history to um some it felt like there was some kind of incident or something that was specific that uh prevented them from wanting to do that and i don't know like like what that was but um yeah i just i that part didn't seem too much of a direct uh you know, illusion to me, but um, I, I enjoyed it. It made sense. Um, I like the idea of all the different, uh, especially the, uh, the Chinese um, um, version of uh, Blink, um, you know, kind of having yeah. the same yeah, struggle. Yeah. And they were, and talk about, by the way, that the two of them yeah. would be, I mean, would they partner up and it's kind of like, We'll take yeah. our years and we'll go back to my part of town. Yeah, where's the mind. where's the yeah. spinoff series? You know, I mean yeah. that feels like it's ready to be like written today. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this, it's this is this is where Image isn't Marvel. You know, they haven't already you know done multiple sequels to this and uh, <laughs> spinoffs and uh, you know. But uh, Eric, to that point, sort of you know, give me your thoughts on the the you know dealing with the very similar but not exactly the same threats. You know, depending on which neighborhood you were in. Sure. You know, it's, I mean, I guess it's also, too, like the classic kind of immigrant's tale. Like you come to this country with whatever you might have had back home. Oftentimes you don't get to bring it with you. And so now you're okay, starting. Please over. don't please don't break into somewhere out there from American Tale. All right. Well, I, I was thinking I, of doing an immigrant I, song by Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin. Oh, that well, that's too. fine. Yeah, that's not. <laughs> Papa. Wait, I have that hat in the next room. Uh, the no, no, no. You don't need your five. Oh, hat. no, it's we okay. need it. We need visual aids. Uh, it's it, it, so the idea of like parallels, I think, is, is so powerful, you know, in, yeah. in storytelling. And you know, when you it's why we study history, it's like you see the stuff plays out over and over again, just with new characters, new names. Uh, and, and it, you know, you alluded to before Big Fat Creek Wedding, like that's why that thing played so huge, still one of the biggest romantic comedies of all time, because. You know, you you just change a couple of the dishes, a couple of the words, and it's basically your family in some capacity. Yeah. And so, I, I think it was it was smart that they alluded to it. They didn't they didn't lean in too hard, but it, it is funny they set up themselves to really expand this universe. Well, and it's just I, I, I don't know, you know, the inner workings of this label, like why they or this imprint, why they wouldn't think to say, okay, there's more storytelling well, you can easily do with Bitterroot. Yeah, but as big as Image has become in the last 30 years, I mean, they don't put out anywhere near as many books as probably even as Dark Horse, actually. You know, I mean, that I think mm -hmm. that there's only so much 
bandwidth to you know push out new books but uh i think it's 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 certainly welcome the fact that they've just put out the new omnibus will probably help the interest and you know maybe they've got plans you know maybe it's part of like a reset uh one of the things you sent me eric and i'm glad you uh, took a picture of this because i forgot to grab these before i launched my books but uh, there's a number of these throughout the volumes, and I, I think that, that the, you know they existed as ads. This one, obviously, the uh, it's for our audio audience. It is a, a a an homage to the "Do the Right Thing" poster, and I just think it's uh, such a, a, a and there's a, there's a whole bunch of them throughout the uh, the entire book. But uh, I I loved these little touches like this and. Uh, was there a reason why you highlighted the do the right thing one, Eric, or was it just as simple as like, Oh, this was probably the best of the bunch of them. I mean, it, it's really clever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's one <laughs> very basic thing. It's like, I, I saw that and it, it brought a big smile on my face. And I, I really like too even the second collection and I'm not sure how it would have played out in the comic books, but they almost like these micro stories they did along the way too yeah. were, they kept saying the end. So I, I wasn't sure if that was something they, when it was originally released as a series of individual comics, how that played out. Yeah. Well, the volume two starts with the summer special, which was a bunch of short stories. Right. Uh, so okay. I thought it w- with a lot of different artists too, which I thought was a nice yeah. touch as well. No, it was, and, it was definitely. And that was the thing too. Some of the, uh, the variant covers that they put in there were uh, the only one I remember is Mike Mignola, but there were some like, really stand out. There's a Scotty young kind of a silly one, but uh, there were some really big standouts. I thought of, you know, well-known uh, comic book. Uh, there was a uh, luminaries, that, if you will. There was that Akira one. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't know who they, I don't know who the artist was, but that made me stop and, and look because it jumped out to me as Akira. But then I was like, wait a minute, like what's going on here. And then I noticed it was sort of like a steampunk bicycle and, Mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff so yeah. i thought that, that oh, was cool. eric you've got you've got something to hold up so yeah uh, oh the, yeah, the, yeah that the, one was great yeah the, that's oh, what yeah. i like too it, it got got a, also a little bit of miss marvel vibes from it as well yeah okay. that's a that's a great call yeah the, the, that was i remember that that was the the juneteenth variant for one of the issues and uh yeah that there's a Maybe very you want to uh, buy the marvel. omnibus you know provided uh provided well yeah a, because you have to, you have to give those all back to me so I do, I do. I, this, <laughs> yeah, this you was don't. Renter was never a keeper, even though I gave you that mug. That you never yeah. said, "Oh yeah, hold on." Yes, to it, and, as long as and you thank need. you. And your grandmother would appreciate my home run apple mug. Edico would have been very um, happy to have that. You sent me a few more images, and I know this was something that we were just talking about. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. You know, Blink and her Chinatown ca- counterpart. Uh, I just I and, love that that one image, like the yeah. you know, kind of the hero shot, low angle, look it up at them with the gnarliness on the bottom of the screen, at the bottom of the frame. Uh, but the two of them, I that's a pairing. I just would, I hope at some point they give us more of them. Yeah, no, exactly. You just uh, you wonder what kind of plan there is, and I agree with you, uh, Eric. It was like that 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 news article that was from. 2021 you're like okay but what's what's going on now um and uh before we shift over to talk to uh to talk about our other book uh there was one more image you sent me so i want to give you a chance for our visual audience but uh, for our audio audience maybe take a moment and describe what this one was and what it what made it speak to you oh going back to grandma edda i think she just really grabbed me a lot as a reader and (laughs) i think she's died because she's in like a She's visited the other realm, and I'll just read this. What uh, I thought you were dead, and what if I was? Whatever happened to letting tired souls rest in peace, young woman? And you know, <clears throat> and you know, <clears throat> pardon me. And do you know how oh, hard goodness. it is to cross over to visit with the ancestors? It ain't like going to the Bronx. Yeah, that that was very funny. I, I enjoyed that uh, panel as well. And yeah. uh, you know, definitely, uh, Ma Ada really stands out uh, amongst you know uh, all the characters, but. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I uh, was, you know, I knew that there was a lot of acclaim for this story and I knew that it was very well received, but that didn't mean that I still wasn't uh, surprised at how much, how right away the story grabbed me and, you know, really, you know, held me over three volumes slash 15 issues in the special. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, hopefully people are uh, much more aware of this, you know, with a new fancy volume on comic book stores, bookshelf stores, but 
you know, most people get their books online now, I guess. But uh, I, I bought, uh, I bought these at a, at a comic book store. So I always felt like I was like, my money was going to a better place than if I had uh, bought them from <laughs> Amazon or even Barnes and Noble. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah. And uh, I, uh, I feel like uh, I'm, I'm much I'm much better informed of what's out there in terms of different kinds of storytelling. And I hope uh, I hope that conversationally I'm able to convince people either with this episode or just talking about this in the future. Um, before we end, though, uh, Diallo, I wanted to talk to you about a, another book that you had recommended. Uh, it mm-hmm. was uh, by a friend of yours yeah. and uh, fr- and it's called Infinitum an yes. afro futurist tale and uh i i yeah exactly yeah and uh <laughs> eric let me guess that's in the other room too isn't it no it is not ah no. look at you but that's all right because uh oh it's eventually will come up there it is so i've got it uh for people to see and uh i mean uh so talk a little bit about it i guess uh tim fielder is someone that you know diallo right Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I I'm gonna met him through a friend of mine um, that I went to college with. Um, it turns out he is a, an incredible artist. Um, she's a great uh, playwright, actually. And um, I met him over the years, uh, watched some of the stuff he did. And I think it was at the beginning, sort of like the beginning parts of the pandemic. Um, I knew he was working on this and it came out um, and purchased it and was kind of blown away. I um, he The other book that he did before was a book called Maddie's Rocket. And it was um, a little bit more, uh, you know, like the Rocketeer, but like um, like Afro futuristic um, uh, background. But yeah. this story... Um, kind of takes that idea of like Afrofuturism, Afrocentrism, it actually goes way back in the past. Um, maybe like high science fiction mixed with fantasy at some parts um, tells an entire tale. Um, and to me, like after you get to the end, it actually turns into like sort of like classic sci-fi that I think of yeah. um, like when I read stories like... Um, uh, search stories like uh, I have no mouth yet I'm a scream or um, uh, I am legend like it has that gave me that sense of like being a classic sort of like idea of science fiction with a twist kind of a twist at the end that you're not quite expecting yeah I think it's uh, it was really interesting because uh, you know I, I didn't really know anything about it uh, you know you had mentioned it and I was like great I'll be uh, interested in reading that and uh, talking about it on the show. And I didn't realize that it was going to, you know, really touch on a number of genres, you know, from sort of like Conan, the barbarian style feeling to the, you know, most, most futuristic future sci-fi and uh, you know, just an interesting concept of this character who can't die. You know, it it's a concept of, uh, you know, we, we did uh, the original uh, first 20 issues of Sandman last year, and there's a character that on a whim, Dream just decides to make him immortal that no matter what happens, he's not going to die. And uh, so this carries that instead of giving, you know, let's visit him over 100 years, let's visit him over, I think it was like 150,000 years as, as it uh, by the time that it ended. And uh, it's it's a really interesting idea to have one person live through that much history. And the first thing that you realize is that the connections you make with people that are so important, important to all of our lives are so fleeting when you live that long that uh, you have long stretches where you're like, why should I even bother? You know, Mm -hmm. and uh, I think that uh, we really get to see so many different perspectives on world history, but then it goes into sci-fi. And uh, like you said, Diallo, I thought it was a, a really interesting turn that uh, I didn't really see coming. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll highlight some of the images that I could get uh, from the publisher online, but uh, the most, imp- most starting point is just how beautiful the artwork is inside mm-hmm. this volume. Uh, Eric, I wanted to give you a chance to uh, talk a little bit about uh, Infinitum. Yeah, well, I was going to say thank you, actually, because this I found this to be such an incredible read. And it's interesting, too, because as you 
for those who are watching this, like sometimes the panels are just one image, one very large, beautifully rendered image with a little bit of text. And then other times it will stop and almost be like a first person narrative, first person point of view, almost like a letter being written. And uh, this thing spans, I mean, it's like, it spans the history of of the world, uh, past, present, future. And, And there was one line I grabbed, I thought was really just like the whole point. I run, I run light years from my former life and the same fate stalks me here. Uh, I, I thought there was something about that that's like was so powerful that like in essence, like, you know, he's he's uh, it's the record that just keeps skipping on the same note. And and yet the note was so beautifully rendered through so many different incarnations, you know. And so to be clear, he he did all the art on this as well. Right. Not just the text. Yeah. He's a, yeah. He's the artist and, and the writer. Um yeah, heck of a I don't, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. don't know what to say other than like I've seen I've seen him at it for a while. He actually gave a TED talk uh, uh, some years ago about uh, Afrofuturism um, TEDx uh, talk. And um, yeah, he it's it's been interesting to watch the direction he's going in some artwork that he's working on for a new um, a new book. It uh, looks looks science fiction based. So looking forward to seeing that one come out as well. Um, yeah, the thing I like, like ex- the... oh, sorry. no, no, go ahead. No, I was just saying I, one thing I came across was he had an exhibit uh, in New York that was yeah. uh, that. And I was really, uh, when I was reading about it, it sounded terrific. I was like, Oh, I wonder if it'll ever come out to LA, but it was, was it 30 years, 30 years of Afrofuturism, comics, music, animation, yeah. decapitated chickens, heroes, yeah. villains, and Negroes. <laughs> I'm like, how did, how did I miss that? I, I don't think I've been in New York City for a while, so I, yeah, I don't sure. think I would have been there when it w- was there. But I do hope. But uh, maybe you could put a little bug in his ear to bring that out to LA. Yeah, right. yeah, I actually tried to get him to get make it out to LA Comic Con, but he wasn't able to make it this past year. Um, and then I maybe he'll, maybe he'll be able to make it out to San Diego and bump into him there. But uh, yeah, I um, you know one of the things I really I mean I like about the, his story and, and Bitterroot as well is that it centers um, Black characters and not just the characters, but their experience. So it doesn't do a lot of... It, when a, there's a lot of narratives that try to like service lots of different perspectives, I think, and it doesn't bother with that. So it kind of stays true to itself. And it's like, I, and I took time to like look at like the makeup of the background characters sometimes. And like for the most part, they are all black and um, it's sort of like um, normalizing that um, saying like it's OK to have it's OK to have stories with just black people and not that it's discriminatory or anything like that. But just um, sometimes that's all like if it was a if it was a book that was um, set in Asia I would expect all Asian people to be there and have it told from Asian perspectives. And sometimes we get these stories where they'll have that perspective, but then they'll have a pivotal like white character in there that tends to be like the white savior. And we don't like, we don't get that here. And I just really enjoyed that piece. And it's, and Bitterroot does that as well. Um, So I just, um, it's just in, in some ways it was refreshing to see that it just felt organic and true, you know? Um, and so it, for, for, uh, infinitum, I actually, you know, where Bitterroot, I would like to see it as like a HBO max series. Infinitum felt to me like it could be like a really cool, beautiful, uh, short store, like a, uh, film short, you know, like, you know, 20 minutes or something and just focusing on the beauty of the art and have someone kind of telling the story um with the voiceover uh oh yeah so. i would love to see it animated in the same style as yeah. the book you know yeah. i think that would be yeah. great and uh yeah it's uh i i agree with eric it's sort of like i i had never heard of this book but you mentioned it and i was so glad to have had the uh opportunity to read it and sort of you know go on that journey and it's uh it's like it it could be a fast read but then you really want to take your time and look at all the artwork so it's like mm-hmm. you know it, it's it, it's uh 
it's a little bit of a massive book, but I don't know. It was like 20 bucks. It was yeah, like, to, I was about to pitch the cost. I just, bought yeah, it on it, Amazon, it's like, for a nice hardcover, uh, with beautiful, first of all, really nice paper, but, uh, that is important to highlight the wonderful artwork. And, uh, yeah. So, um, let me, uh, obviously Eric and I, uh, had very different, uh, you know, experiences and outlooks on the world. I just sort of wonder sometimes, uh, Diallo, for you, if say that, uh, you know, there was a, a point when you were younger, if you had found both of these books, would they have uh, spoken specifically towards your experience because of the fact that there are so many black characters? And, you know, I mean, I, I, I do you feel like there would have been a connection that, uh, you know, you said you stopped reading comic books in 2005. By then they were fairly inclusive uh, not as much as I would say as they are now, but certainly more than when I first started reading comics in 1983, you know, mm -hmm. but do you feel like these would have stood out? Let's just hypothetically say, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you know, if there was something like this being offered at that time, do you think it would have had a greater impact uh, on you when you were younger? I think definitely, I, you know, I, I talk about this a lot when I, I actually did a panel um, uh, on like black represent representation of the black characters um, uh, at LA Comic-Con. And one of the things for me in relation to comic books is that growing up as much as I loved all of them, you, I always, there was always like a absent piece. Like, so I never... I rarely saw characters that looked like me. And then when they did show up, they tended to be, you know, like in a, you know, caricature, sometimes like a, a stereotype adjacent. I was talking with somebody just the other day about the 90s, uh, early 90s, uh, speaking of image, um, that first group of image um, artists they they were good enough to put in a bunch of african-american characters but they like 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 two or three of them all like were hiv positive and so oh wow it, yeah so it was like it was just like it like there's nothing wrong with them being hiv positive but it shows me what like subconsciously you kind of associate with these people that you're putting in your stories um so when you have a book like Bitterroot and Infinitum that are, it's like they're being told, um, they're not, they're about black people, but they're by black people. That's like the part. Um, Cause then you avoid those unfortunate like traps that you might fall into if you're not a part, naturally a part of that group. Um, uh, so I definitely would have been, you know, I would have enjoyed seeing something like that um, as a kid. Um, and, but then I don't know, but the experience that I went through as a kid, the kind of like makes me make the stuff I make now where, where I like kind of, I try to put that stuff into the works that I do um, in an sure. organic way. So might not have, I don't know, might not have gone down the path I have with my own content. So. Yeah, well, it's interesting because I think that, uh, you know, especially when you look in the 70s, uh, I, I, my familiarity is mostly with Marvel, so I'm going to use mm -hmm. these as an example, but you have this explosion of female characters and minority characters, and it's we can celebrate Luke Cage, Power Man, but then if you read like the first comic, it it's embarrassing is clearly written by a white guy. I'm pretty sure he calls someone a jive Turkey. I'm almost mm -hmm. positive. He calls someone a jive Turkey <laughs> right. and it's just like, yes, part of that is being dated. You know, it's, it's what 40 plus years old, but also just the way everybody talks, you're like, Oof, you know, mm -hmm. but it's great character later, later interpretations. I loved the, uh, the, the series, the Luke Cage series that we got. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, very selfishly, my favorite is the episode where Danny Rand comes to visit him up in Harlem. And I was like, I always wanted that Power Man and Iron Fist series that we never actually quite got. And yeah. uh, maybe we will get in the future. But, uh, you know, I think the key is these stories being told by creators who can relate to the experience. You know, mm -hmm. when uh, my wife, who's Chinese American, saw Shang-Chi with me, she says, like, this is great but boy, do I wish that they made movies like this when I was a kid, 
you know, mm-hmm. and it's, uh, it's, it, you know, you can't really do anything about uh, what went before, but it's, it, it's great to see that there are these opportunities, you know, uh, for creators. And I believe that uh, Bitterroot came about after, you know, they had, uh, you know, got some, I don't want to say cloud, but some renown for having worked on Power Man and Iron Fist. So it's great that a publisher like Image and, you know, Dark Horse will do this to some extent. And there's plenty of other Boom Studios, you know, plenty of smaller publishers who will take a chance on a story that, uh, look, you could see pitching Bitterroot to a, a big corporate comic book company that's tied to whether it be Warner Brothers, whether it be Disney, and being like, yeah, this sounds good, but uh, I just don't think people will buy it. And sometimes it's like, well, if you let people find it, I'm pretty sure they're going to buy it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Diallo, I was very glad that uh, we were able to talk about uh, all of this. And uh, thank you so much for joining us. But I want to give you a chance to let people know where they can find more of you and uh, possibly uh, get in touch with you. Uh, you can find me uh, out in the ether doing my thing. Uh, I have a fantasy audio book slash podcast called The First Noel Chronicles that uh, I've been re-recording lately and, and putting uh, re-putting up the episodes and doing uh, new versions of those. Um, you can check out my website, First Noel Chronicles. Um, and I also have a comic book called Angela and the Dark uh, that is uh, sort of a young black uh, character, which kind of my desire to have more authentic black characters that I was talking about before was uh, that was what it was born from. Um, sure. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I just started doing a podcast called uh, Actually. Um, as, uh, you can find that on the, out in the interwebs as well. Um, and my, you, got a, you actually uh, got a little Instagram. garbled. You were a little garbled oh, right sorry. as you said the name of the podcast. So I want to give you a oh, chance to actually say the okay. name of the podcast. Yeah, it's called Galactica, actually. So and we talk about uh, the reimagined Battlestar Galactica series. We're going episode by episode. So oh just gosh, started it. A... We're, yeah, we're on, we just did the fourth that... episode, I think. So. That's a great, that's a great idea. I love that. And, uh, you know, getting to spend uh, so much time uh, revisiting that series and uh, yeah. You know, anytime yeah. I have an excuse to rewatch uh, anything with Dean Stockwell uh, is oh, uh, yeah. oh, <laughs> going yeah. yeah. to be right there for me um, for uh, here on uh, Geekscape book club uh, next month, Sunday, March 26th, uh, we will uh, tying into the upcoming Kang dynasty and the Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Uh, we're going to do a very recent volume. I believe this is from 2021. So uh, some of the newest work, uh, Bitterroot probably up to now was the newest thing that we had read. But uh, Kang the Conqueror, Only Myself Left to Conquer uh, is uh, the collection that uh, we will talk about uh, next month. And really, we're going to be spending a lot of time with Kang. So we want to uh, give people a chance to read what... Uh, uh, Ian Kerner seemed to think that that was the starting point. And if you're a, a big Geekscape fan, you know Ian does uh, all the movie specials with Jonathan London here at Geekscape. And I, I texted Jonathan. I'm like, can you ask Ian what we should read? That's a good Kang story. And I actually thought it was going to be something from, you know, uh, I don't even know. I mean, the character's been around for more than 50 years. And it was something really recent. seemed like a good starting point. So I'm excited to read that next month. And uh Uh, Looking forward to uh, putting together the panel to discuss on that. Uh, So look for us on March 26th. Uh, Eric, thank you for your time as well. Please let people know where they can find you. Sure. Uh, You can catch me at Count Eric Connor over at Twitter and Instagram. uh, And the documentary I helped produce, uh, Other Voices, is hanging out on Amazon Prime. Uh, So if you want to give that a watch. It's on Amazon Prime in the way where... If you have Prime, you can watch it. It's not an add-on now, right? I believe so. I although it might yeah. have shifted. I know those don't tend to always stay that way. So right, but... it might cost you five, six bucks, but uh, I'll, I'll pay you uh, half of it if you don't. Like he'll, it. he'll pay. He'll pay you back in uh, Mets home run apple and Mets home run mugs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, a, I'm, I'm a fair man, but yeah. And I and thank you again. I you know, it's a fun thing about this book club is getting 
increasing my diet healthily with uh, books that I hadn't read previously. And in some cases had a very long time to read and I didn't get around to it. So yeah. thank you, Christian, for making me uh, hold my feet to the fire and increasing my comic book lore. Well, I made it as easy as possible. I said, meet me for coffee. I'm going to give you these four books. Read them over the weekend. <laughs> Not quite. Well, really aggressive, actually. But Very it's, aggressive. It worked. Yeah. It worked. Eric, before we, before we head out, is that a Shogun Warrior on the floor Yes, it is. You? Did I? Yes, that oh. is an... Uh, that is an original from uh, is yeah. it, 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 Good Eye. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. I was, I've been looking it? at that for the last 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, and it's big, actually. It, it, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, have, it's, have one of those. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and uh, thanks yeah. to uh, the fact that my mom never threw out anything. Also meant that it oh. took me happier to clear out her house after she passed, but it meant <laughs> I got to bring that beautiful boy back You got back to bring a Shogun Warrior home. Oh, yeah. Well, wow. uh, Thank you to uh, all the Shogun Warriors out there for joining <laughs> us uh, over the last hour plus. Uh, we look forward to talking Kang with you next month. If you would like to follow me on Twitter and Instagram, I am at Christian DMZ. Please subscribe to my podcast, The Blackcast, B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T. Uh, Eric is a part of our big quantum mania mania, uh, basically cobbling together three separate conversations for a massive three-hour episode if you really want to deep dive on quantum mania not you diallo you haven't seen it yet we talk about all the spoilers but people who have seen it that uh want to hear some uh, different opinions on that and uh also uh, later this week we'll be uh recording something for geekscape so keep an eye out for it in the future but uh, i'll be uh doing a interview with kenneth johnson who created the original v miniseries and uh he will uh i'll be sitting down with him for the 40th anniversary of that series uh i'll be talking to him so we'll uh, post that in the very near future i'm recording it this week and uh by the time we do our next episode i'll uh, let you know when where you'll be able to find it so keep your eyes peeled for that but uh, that's all the time we've had for now. And uh, we look forward to uh, talking to everybody next month. Uh, so uh, you you read Kang. We'll talk to you about Kang. So you keep reading them. We'll keep talking about them. And we'll see you next time here on the Geekscape Book Club. Thanks, everybody. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 